Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. Solo show today. I'm Zach Shaw, covering some basketball. You can read all of our stories from our trip to Columbus over at the MichiganInsider.com and Michigan.247Sports.com. Going to tackle a bunch of questions. If there's any topics that, that don't get covered, then then I will touch on those too. Uh, but we actually got a good amount of questions. You can always tweet me questions, underscore Zach Shaw. Um, try to do it. Yeah, I try to record on Tuesdays, so obviously the closer to that is, the, the more li- likely it is that it will get on the show. But anyway, first we'll start with Maze Craze, who says, Johns makes more sense at the 5 over Teske at this point. Much better offensive player and much better rebounder. Only downside is he's not as tall. Uh, so starting out swinging, changing the starting lineup, what, 20, 30 games, 30, 29 games into the season. But I do think... I do think that game against Wisconsin showed that maybe first it comes comes down to what Johns wants to do, uh, but I I don't think it's the worst idea. I don't think you know Johns he he's six seven or maybe six eight depending on who's measuring, but he's six seven, around two hundred thirty ish two hundred thirty five pounds, uh, but he's really strong for his weight. Whatever his weight is, add five or ten. That's effectively what he is, and then his. His leaping ability, uh, he can get he can get up there. And so, if you are looking for a rebounder, someone who can defend, get to the perimeter just a little bit faster. I think, I think Teske's faster than most seven foot one, two hundred sixty pound centers, but he is a seven foot one, two hundred sixty pound center. So, I don't think he. I don't. I think he still start Teske, but I do. I don't know if I were Michigan against not every team, not against your. Kofi Coburn's not against your Daniel Oturu, not against your, um, you know, your other big men, the Luca Garzas. You got to put a big guy in them. But this past week, one thing that really hurt Michigan was the small ball center. You know, your Nate Reavers, who's 6'11", 235 pounds. Your uh, Caleb Wesson, I'm not sure exactly what he weighs. I know he's, he, he's got some size to him, but he's not exactly as tall. And he can play on the perimeter. You saw him hit a couple threes. I actually don't think it's the worst idea to play Johns at the five. I think Austin Davis and Colin Castleton have had their moments, but ultimately haven't been that consistent. And Teske, I know he gets a lot of flack from fans. He's better than I think the fans think, but he still isn't someone that I think Michigan feels comfortable. Maybe they feel comfortable, but but from my view... I don't think their optimal situation is having him play 30 minutes no matter who the center is. Because I, he, he, isn't, he isn't Mo Wagner. I think Mo Wagner was to the point where his defense improved his junior year. He actually could defend the, the post a little bit. He was obviously better as a small ball center. But he had some length. He, he started, to, started to figure it out. Teske, I think his post defense took a dip in January. It's up now. But now suddenly this perimeter stuff is becoming a bit of a problem. And so do you throw Johns in there for five minutes? I'd, I'd think about it. You have Because Johns, I don't think he's getting enough minutes. I know one thing that I did note with this maze craze question is this is, a, this is probably the wrong week to ask about more Brandon Johns. Uh, but but I, think, I think he's shown in the past month, if you take the whole month, I think he's shown he's worth more than more deserving than like eight to ten minutes a game. You know, he's he's probably should be getting twenty. So maybe a couple of those come at the three or at the four. 
A couple of them come in in maybe the livers and johns lineup at the same time. Some are four livers, but can some be four Teske and do a small ball? Because the other thing you have to think offensively, Teske, he'll shoot the three, but Johns, I think, is a little bit more of what I would call a three-point threat, You know, where teams are, teams are circling and saying, hey, we don't want to get burned like Michigan State did when he hit three threes, or maybe that was Indiana. Still, you know, he's, he's someone that will command perimeter defense, and that clears the lane for a Xavier Simpson layup. That clears the lane for Franz Wagner, drive to the hoop. So I don't, I don't hate it. I, I wouldn't start him over him. Um, I, I, know, I know there's a lot of fans who aren't Teske enthusiasts or, or have kind of fallen off the Teske train. He should start. He, he's the best center they have. And, and frankly, I, think, I don't think he's as bad as many think, but uh, could he sacrifice a couple minutes to get Johns in there? I think that's not, the bad, not a bad idea at all. It's matchup dependent, of course. I would not want to see Brandon Johns guarding uh, seven foot, three hundred pound Kofi Coburn. But at the same time, if it's Georgie Benchvali, using the Illinois as an example here, I think Johns could hold his own. He, he's got long arms. He can jump high. He's a great rebounder. I think he rebounds a little bit above his weight class, uh, quite a bit actually. So. I don't get to watch practice. I don't know if, how much they've practiced it. That's something to keep in mind, too. He has to be comfortable there. But if he's comfortable there, I mean, I'm sure he'd want to play six or seven more minutes. So I, I actually don't think that's the worst one. Next one, terry 5 Migos says, well, okay, we got another Johns one. Uh, thoughts on starting Johns instead of Brooks, and chances Nunez gets in the rotation. Brooks would bring offense in the second unit. Johns brings length. Okay, so Terry, I know Terry listens to the show, and he, he weighs in with questions. So um, I think we kind of saw what happens when John starts over Brooks against, um, against Wisconsin. They, you know, they, they started, instead of starting David DeJulius, they started Brandon Johns. And I get the appeal, because you'd have four players who are 6'7 or taller in the lineup. It just looked like a mess. It really did. I mean, I w- I'm surprised this is even being discussed. I, I, I get that it was the first time they'd done it. They have practiced it, but it was the first time they'd really done it in the game. I get the allure. Height is height, but speed is also speed. And I actually think I actually think Brooks is... I mean, he had seven rebounds against Ohio State. You know, it's not like this is some guy who who's just completely undersized and can't hold his own. He's making threes. He's been a pretty consistent scorer. Obviously, he broke his nose so, and had a sinus infection all week. So that Sunday was kind of a wash for him. But before that, he had been pretty reliable as a scoring threat. Uh, I, do, I do like Johns. I, apparently not as much as the fans do. I, I, don't think he's, I don't think you should be pushing as much that, that super length. Uh, that super length lineup. I, I just, I think you need a second guard type. And Franz, he's he's able to dribble. He's able to get to the basket. He can shoot. I mean, he's, he does a lot of guard things. I really think he's best suited at the three, though. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the wheels go full speed when he's playing at the two. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of body to move against somebody who might be six foot, might be six one, six two. 
Not not a bad idea. If it, like I think if Michigan's in control of a game and they really want to just lock down defensively, get a bunch of arms up and and kind of push the post option out, that's fine. But in college basketball, there's so many two guards who can shoot 38% from three, especially in a league like the Big Ten. I don't I don't think that's the best move. All right, do we have any other? Who else can Brandon Johns start for? Um, no, just kidding. Next one comes from Uncle Baby Billy, formerly known as Scotty G, says, do we have an update on the Monstars' whereabouts? Need to find them and get back to Teske's talent before tourney time. Nice little Space Jam reference. Has Space Jam 2 come out? Uh, I'll look it up later. But anyway, <laughs> obviously he's referring to there are, there are times where Michigan just looks like they can beat anybody. I mean, they beat Gonzaga by 18. I get Gonzaga was had four new score, four four new starters. They they were what 4,500 miles from home, and they were playing the third game in three days. But they still beat Gonzaga by 18. Nobody else has even beaten Gonzaga, and so they did that. They they beat Michigan State and beat them pretty convincingly. I mean, it wasn't it was only what nine, ten, eleven points. But it just seemed like Michigan was really in control from the get-go there. Um, you know, they've they've got some good wins. They actually have five Quadrant 1A wins. And those are, for those that don't know, those are top 15 home wins, top 25 neutral site, and then top 30 or top 40 road wins. So basically against teams that, or teams or atmospheres that are Sweet 16 caliber, I would say, or maybe second round caliber, they have five wins already. That's that's a pretty good number. Not very many teams have that many. Do they show up around tourney time? <laughs> it's it's a lot harder to predict that than than it was a week ago when they just won at Rutgers and at Purdue. I mean, you know, Ohio State and and Wisconsin they showed how vulnerable Michigan is. And so I I don't love the which team will show up or it's a tale of two teams or when does good Michigan play. Because the fact is, I mean, they, they actually played, they did some things well against Ohio State. I mean, they weren't, it's not like they were blown out from the get-go. I think Michigan, I think Ohio State had a little bit more clicking. I think they were a little bit more in sync. They did more of those winning plays. But Michigan had it tied, even with the foul trouble, even with the three-point trouble, even with Dwayne Washington going off. They did, to their credit, find a way to keep it tied late in the game before things obviously fell apart. But it's a top 15 team on the road. So I don't I don't think it's out of the question that Michigan looks good in neutral site. I mean they've I think that they're very comfortable in a neutral site setting. I don't there's only been four games, but I think there's just something about it. And then one thing that I think is an element I'm keeping an eye on cuz I I think the shooting frankly I just don't know how you can go in and predict that they'll shoot more than 32% from 3 at the Big Ten tournament or at the NCAA tournament. But I think the defensive intensity uh, looks a little different if if it's the postseason. You know, I think about Xavier Simpson and, and how intense he can be at times on defense. And I, I don't mean to dog him, but sometimes he's not. Sometimes the defensive intensity for the entire team just isn't that intense. I felt like they were... Now, they got lost a couple times on those ball screens against Ohio State, but there were a couple times where they were just sluggish. They just didn't... They almost It almost seemed like they didn't think Dwayne Washington was going to shoot the shot. And it's it was the same thing with uh, Demetric Trice last Thursday, where it was like, they're like, oh, he's like three steps from the line. He's not going to shoot that. And then he shot it and made it. 
or you know Andre Wesson. Now bank shots, <laughs> you can you can laugh about the bank shot component, but but that was a shot where I think there could have been better closeout, and so that is one area where I do think they could ascend is if that defense, if there's an extra gear for that defense. Now you have to factor in other teams are going to bring their best too. That's why we love March Madness. That's why the NCAA tournament is so fun. But if Michigan, you know, we sh- we saw kind of when their backs were against the wall, when they had that four-game losing streak, they had those five straight wins where that defensive intensity was really good. It was really impressive. And it wasn't just the five straight. It was really eight straight games where they held teams to nothing offensively. And that makes me think that when they really, really need to, they have the personnel to be a great defense. Of course, you have to do it. And I don't think at Ohio State, it's not like they weren't trying. But I do wonder if the postseason brings an extra gear. You're also shooting with the same basketball every every night. You get a little bit more shoot-around opportunities um, You know, with, with these tournaments. Maybe not so much the Big Ten tournament because you're going to have to practice at Probably Butler, uh, maybe, maybe Butler with Val Jordan. Maybe there's a connection there or, or something, but um, one of the high schools or colleges, it'll be a little different for that. But for the NCAA tournament, you do get a little bit more chance to, to shoot around in that gym than you would when you play at Ohio State, for example. So <laughs> where are they? I think, I think the one area where they can really ascend is defense, uh, to answer Uncle Baby Billy formerly known as Scotty G's question. I think, I don't know. I don't know, but I think the defense is is where they can really ascend. And I wonder. I mean, their seeding wasn't quite set, but they weren't going to really contend for the Big Ten title. Uh, you know, they had, they had a lot of good press, a, good, a, lot of, a very good week against Rutgers and Purdue. I wondered about the Wisconsin, the potential for a letdown there. Um, you know, you can, you can critique a team that doesn't hold serve at home, but I, I just do wonder if it was just a between that and then the short turnaround, Brooks injury, going on the road to Ohio State. I don't, I don't think this means like they completely forgot how to play basketball. I think it was just a tough week when you when you play this many quadrant one games. They're on track to play eighteen. Then, um, you know, you're going to face some other teams who are clicking. Wisconsin and Ohio State. We can talk about though they didn't close out on threes. They also made a boatload of threes, open and contested, uh, more than more than you would necessarily expect. All right, next question comes from Michael Morse, who says, "Why doesn't Howard put in Cole Badgema to help make some threes more often than garbage time?" Well, how many threes has he hit this year? I know I know he was a three point guy in high school, um, but freshman. Freshmen don't don't always come in right away and look really good. I mean, we can run through the through the through the whole list, really. I mean, DJ Wilson, Mo Wagner, uh, you know, Brandon Johns, David DeJulius. I think you could argue. Um, Eli Brooks, uh, Isaiah Livers. I know he started, but didn't necessarily score a lot. Xavier Simpson, John Teske. I mean, you know, there are some one. There are some. Instant impact guys, Trey Burke, Nick Stauskas, Iggy Brzdakis. But Michigan has one of those. They have Franz Wagner. And so clearly, to me, I read that as Cole Badgema maybe just 
his defense isn't there. Maybe he's just not physically ready. I know he's six foot seven, 175 pounds, so uh, certainly a frame to be filled out. You'd have to ask the people who see practices or people who are coaching the team. He is four for seven from three, so he's a he's a pretty strong shooter. That said, I I think I mean they've put in walk-ons ahead of him. They've put in Adrian Nunez ahead of him. I don't think that it's really. I just don't think he's ready to contribute outside of garbage time. And that that is all kinds of common. That is 0% abnormal. I mean, especially someone like him. He came from a pretty small high school. I know he did AAU, but um, I think when Michigan recruited him, he was always a year two, year three player. And so I don't know if that was Jawan Howard's plan. I know that was John Beeline's plan. I'm sure if they felt he could be a net positive for the team, they'd play him. Because there have been times, especially as these injuries have mounted, they absolutely could have thrown him in there, but they didn't. And so that tells me that maybe, you know, it's just more than more than just shooting threes. I, I do kind of see where Michael's coming from, where it's, okay, you know, just kind of stand around, hang out, hit two threes to get the offense going. Maybe, maybe almost like take the lid off the basket at times. I see the logic, I, but there's just so many things. Because even if he came in to hit a couple threes, if he's just getting toasted on defense, then you're not really gaining any traction in the game. I'm not. He could be fine on defense. It could be something else. But um, I don't know. In my experience covering this team, I wouldn't. I would not read into a freshman not getting playing time. It's just, you know, especially this year's schedule. They didn't really have a lot of gimmies. They had what five, five games that weren't um, quadrant one or two, basically. Well, and they had Nebraska Northwestern as well. But yeah, basically five non-conference games that weren't tough, big, important matchups. Plus, I mean, you know. Michigan's development system has always been sophomore, junior year. Again, for, for every Trey Burke, Nick Stauskas, Iggy Brzdakis, there's a whole bunch of players. I mean, I know Karis LeVert played, but he wasn't anything like what he was sophomore year as a freshman. Let's see. Linda Linda Mulig says, How far do we make it in the tournament? I suppose it depends on whether Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde shows up. So she's referencing the good good Michigan, bad Michigan. Well, don't don't come mad. Don't be mad at me if I'm wrong, but I actually think I actually think this team is going to be good for at least one tournament win. I think that they I think the leadership, I think the experience that the veterans have on the team, I think the hunger, I think Dewan Howard's coaching I think will help. Um I think the fact that they're so battle-tested, they have played 17 games against Quadrant 1 opponents. Now, they are 7-10, and 10, but if they, as long as they stay a 7-seed or higher, their first game will be kind of more like a Quadrant, and maybe like a low Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2 game. And they have a pretty good record against Quadrant 1 and Quadrant 2. Well, they're eleven and ten, but they've played a ton of like top tier, top shelf teams. So I think I think they're going to go in, and they're not going to be one bit phased. 
by the by the bright lights, by the stage, by the NCAA tournament, the distractions that can come with that. So I think they're going to be good for one. Obviously, the big question and probably the swing between eh, it was an okay season and Michigan's back on track or or Michigan's got the ball ball rolling still is that second weekend. If they can win that second NCAA tournament game, I think this season can absolutely be celebrated as a rousing success. And that will be tougher because if they're a seven seed, they're going to have to play a top 10 team. Really, if they're a six seed, they might have to play a top 10 team. And some of them are more beatable than others. I, I You know, Duke is projected as a three seed, whereas Dayton or San Diego State, who haven't necessarily been as battle-tested, are two are two seeds. So I would say I think they've probably got a 50-50 shot based on what I've seen right now of making it to that to that sweet 16. Maybe a little less than 50%. But my confidence in that second round game would be about 50 maybe 40-60. I mean, it kind of depends on who they play, depends on how Michigan looks. But if you go position by position, there aren't a lot of teams in the country who can match up with Michigan. And what I mean by that is like like they're fifteenth, fourteenth in Ken Palm's ratings, they're top fifteen in, in the BPI and the Sagarin ratings. The reason their net ranking is as low as it is, is mostly because the NCAA strength of scheduling and the KPI still use what I would consider outdated strength of schedule formats. So Michigan, they're going to lead the country in quadrant one games this season. Yet their strength of schedule is going to be ranked 50th by the NCAA or around there. So really their, their quality, the quality of the team they are is top 15. The schedule or the, the metrics will have them a little bit lower. The overall metrics. And so that makes me think that they've got a chance of being a Sweet 16 team, but the matchup might prevent them from it. They also could just be ice cold. I mean, if they're if they're in their heads or if there's an injury or if they're wrapped up about this perimeter defense and how they can't solve it yet, there might be an issue. But I think from what I've seen this season, they look like a, they look very much they look like a more a more reliable version of Michigan's 2017 team. So they might not be as red hot. They might not be as scorching hot, but as far as quality of play, they look to be about that. And so the Sweet 16 certainly is possible. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Next question. Not really a question, but from Jack Greeley, who says, Hot take, Franz Wagner has been our best player ever since he came back from his injury and got fully healthy, arguably our best defender and most consistent offensive player on the team. Uh, yeah, not really that that hot of a take, actually. I think I think you're onto something there. I, I don't know about best player, just because I, I do think what Xavier Simpson has brought 
what Isaiah Livers brought before these past two games. I think uh, eh, you might you might be right. Yeah, I mean, I I'd bite I'd bite on that. I wouldn't I wouldn't shut it down. Um, just because the way I think the one thing holding me back with Franz is that I think he's more of a residual scorer, meaning that he isn't necessarily leading the charge. He's more of a pick up a bunch of buckets in the second half when they when the other team makes these adjustments. But hard to knock this these last five games, 16 points, 12 points, 22 points, 17 points, 18 points. And even before that, he was starting to pick it up a little bit, you know, a couple 18-point efforts, a 17-point effort. Injury, I'm a, does Jack mean the wrist injury? I don't think he's been their best player all season. I mean, he basically came back after five, four games. But, yeah, lately, lately he has been really strong, and that's key. If they can get – they've got eight players in their main rotation. If they can get five or six of them playing their best basketball of the season come tournament time, I think the Sweet 16 is very, very possible, if not probable. I think a trip to the Big Ted tournament semifinals and, and maybe even the championship game is very possible. But this past these past two games, they've had two players playing solidly and six players struggling of those eight. I mean, Franz and Xavier Simpson are the only ones playing solidly. So, so you, you might be right. I think Jack is right. I think I'll I think I'll bite. Last five games, Franz has been their best player. I think his defense massively improved. I mean, he might. I don't know if I've maybe Duncan Robinson was the last player who improved this much defensively over the course of the season. He's using those long arms. He's using the limbs. He's he's premeditating some of these passes in these these blocking lanes. His rebounding has really improved. I think I had the stat. He's averaging over seven rebounds per game since January first. That's pretty good. Pretty good for a guy who's playing the two three kind of combo guard or not guard, combo guard the wing just a wing. You know, averaging that many rebounds. Got some good height for it, but he also has to go up and play physical and get it. And I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I saw that coming. You know, I, knowing, having covered front or Mo since the beginning, rebounding, I would never have said was Franz Wagner's strength. So now it is. Uh, he recently had 10 rebounds against Ohio State, seven against Wisconsin, five, eight, eight, five, seven, 14, six, eight, eight. I mean, those are his last 10 games or so. Pretty reliable there. And, and I think you're starting to see him become a little bit. More of a two-way player, not just a shooting guy. You know, someone who gets to the rim. He's been actually pretty good at that all Big Ten season. Uh, his three-point shooting has improved. I believe he's around 50% in the last month. So, yeah, he's probably the best player. I think if Michigan's going to make a run, and I'll just add this, I don't think he should be Michigan's best player. I think it has to be Livers. Simpson, I mean, if Teske can find whatever was working for him in November, December, that's probably Michigan's optimal situation, but he's looking pretty good. He is looking pretty darn good. So a couple other discussion points. These come from John Hartsmark. You can also send me discussion points if you just want to, if you don't necessarily have a question, you just want to make sure that I don't forget something, uh, you can send those. So first one, fixing the perimeter defense. I uh, kind of talked about that one. I mean, you know, I think some of it, if Wisconsin and Ohio State are going to have 
secondary scores like Dwayne Washington and uh, Dimitri Trice. Well, Dimitri Trice is not a secondary scorer, but if they're going to have guys that aren't the first player circled on the scouting report go off for 20-plus points, making five-plus threes, sometimes you just got to take your lumps. I mean, <laughs> there are good, there are other good teams in the in the country and in the in the Big Ten. Just because Michigan loses doesn't mean that it's catastrophic. I mean, there are other teams that are expecting to win too. But I do think the closeouts and and some of the some of the just I don't know if it's the switching, if they're you know going under too much and they're too far away from the basket. I'd have to really uh, sit there and and get my get my little marker out or whatever. But it just seems like they're a step or two behind coming off those ball screens and um, teams are going to exploit that. I mean, now there's, now there's a blueprint and, and that will make it tougher. I mean, in some ways Michigan will adjust, but in some ways these other teams will say, well, this worked. Let's try adding this wrinkle. Let's try adding that wrinkle. One other component as to why Michigan might do better in the NCAA tournament than they did in the big 10, other than that they do that basically every year is that they aren't facing teams that are used to playing Michigan. You know, even though Jawan Howard has a new system, Wisconsin has faced Xavier Simpson like 15 times. Actually, probably is literally seven or eight times. Uh, Purdue, I know that the, I know that Michigan beat Purdue, but still, um, Ohio State, they faced them a month ago. They have some scouting report. They their scouting will be a little bit better than say, I don't know Dayton or a. Um, uh, San Diego State. So I think that's one other thing to keep in mind is that Michigan has to continue to adjust. They have to. They their three point defense was phenomenal for two seasons, two years. They went over two years without a team scoring eleven three pointers in a game, and they just allowed two teams to do it in four days. That that says you need to figure something out. That says something something has something has changed. Whether it's intensity schematics, uh, develop, developing bad habits, or other teams adjusting, and they have to change it. Uh, last one, we can close with this one because I can make it about the entire team as well, but regaining Teske's confidence. So John Teske, averaging 12 points, over 12 points a game this season, has only scored in double dig- digits once in his last eight games. And so... We've talked about him a little bit. I, I think he's getting a little bit of an unfair shake. I think, realistically, he was going to be a 10-12 point scorer this season. I think when he went off for, say, 25 points against UMass Lowell or 16 points against Elon or 17 against App State, yeah, I think, I think there was a little bit of a... I think that might have inflated the expectations a little bit. He, I would never say he was an offensive juggernaut. Even last season, he was kind of a pick-and-roll fourth option. Every once in a while, he'd have a, have a pretty good game. But he definitely has, has lost, a, lost a little bit of what he had earlier on in the season. I, he wasn't going to score quite as much because Franz Wagner has developed. He's gotten better. Um, you know, Xavier Simpson has found a little bit of an offensive uh, success rate. Eli Brooks has become more consistent of a scorer. Same time, Teske's really struggling. I mean, he's hit two three-pointers since January 25th. He 
has shot 50% or better from two. Well, he actually did in the last two games, but just twice in the last month since February 1st. Yeah, there's a little bit of a dip going on here, and, and some of it's confidence. I think I've compared it before on this podcast to a center, a quarterback switching coaches and switching schemes and suddenly being maybe more of a dual threat or a read option quarterback instead of being a pro style or vice versa. They got to ditch the back to the basket thing. Or they have to minimize it. It's just not his game. It's just not. he. Last year, I don't know what percentage it was, but it seemed like all of his points were either wide open dunks, pick and roll layups like little runners, or threes or free throws. And so when they play Ohio State and they throw it to him and he's supposed to post somebody up, it just looks like a missed shot from the get-go. And he, he's made some. He's not he's not over. But, yeah, they have got to. I think when push comes to shove, they are, they are hurting themselves offensively, asking him to continue to be a back-to-the-basket player. And I think, I think some of it's on him. Some of it's, I think a lot of it's on the coaching. But I think some of it's on him where there were a couple plays against Ohio State. I feel like everyone in the arena figured he was going to kick it out. And he went for this tough angle, kind of reach around, baby hook, whatever it was. And and sometimes it was multiple things. And I think I think he's been a pretty good passer. I mean, he had four assists against Purdue. He had seven against Iowa. He had, uh, I mean, he's had multiple, he's had a bunch of multiple assist games this season. But at the same time, you know, you, I mean, maybe, is he too confident? Should he? Be told to pass a little bit more, but I no. I th- I think in all seriousness, I think I think the trick is getting him to face the basket, getting him a little bit in motion. He has he has decently quick feet. You know, they're smaller feet. He's able to move them a little quicker than other players at his position. I'm not calling him a track star, but he's got got a little bit of quickness to him. Just in the short burst deal, can can you get him a little bit more comfortable? Because because what works for him isn't what works for Austin Davis and vice versa. What's working for Austin Davis is almost the opposite of what's working for John Teske. And so for Michigan to come in and say, this is how you're going to play, that's fine. That's what coaches do. And Juwan Howard knows more about being a big man than everyone listening to this podcast combined. But it just doesn't look comfortable. And so... I don't know. We we talk to him. I don't think he's losing his confidence. I think I think there's some frustration. I don't know if his confidence is shot. I don't think he's. You, know, you guys, you guys watch on TV. Maybe maybe you're seeing it. Something I'm not seeing. But I think he, I think he's frustrated. I don't think he's as confident as he could be. But I think he believes he can go out there and score. It's just a matter of putting him in the best situation to do so. Uh, let's see. Rounding up some other things. Well, this week, obviously, it's 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 a really critical week for everybody to get right. I'd call it the ultimate get right week because they're out of class. They don't have class. They're on spring break. They have a, plenty of motivation and stuff on the film to to look at and to digest. I mean, I, I think if they won both of these games, you'd almost worry for Michigan that they wouldn't have anything to work on. But they don't have class. They have tons to work on. They're going to play Nebraska. That should be a pretty easy win. 
Uh, I'm trying to think the last time Nebraska beat anybody. In fact, it was January 7th. They beat Iowa in Lincoln. Um, I mean, they've hung around with teams. They took Northwestern to overtime. They... Well, that's just about it. Pretty much all of these are blowouts. They they were within two points of Maryland on the road. So there is a chance that it's a it's a threat. I just I mean, I think they're think they're a little ding think they've been beaten up all season. They're two and sixteen in Big Ten play. I think Michigan's gonna be able to, to work in some of these bench players, work in different lineups, try different things, and ultimately just build their confidence, make some shots. They've they've shot 30% or lower from three for four straight games. First time they've done that since 2012. So certainly a lot of things can be gained from this week, even if they, when they beat Nebraska, their seeding might not move. They might, they might not move in the net rankings at all. Obviously, the Maryland one is almost the opposite. It's like a house money game. Probably not going to win. Maryland's going to be playing for a Big Ten title, I think. Uh you know, it's a tough atmosphere. I've been there. It's I put it right up there with Purdue and Louisville. Those are the toughest ones I've seen. Ahead of Michigan State, ahead of Indiana, ahead of Wisconsin and Iowa, who are all very good atmospheres. But, but yeah, how they do at Maryland, I don't think it has much bearing on the season. Maybe a little bit of seeding. But it's almost like you have the get-right game, and then you have the shoot-your-shot game. And then you go into the postseason where there's... A, a little bit more even matchups, a little bit more, well, a lot more intensity, a lot more meaning to each to each game and each play. So critical week for Michigan to get better. I don't think they need to go two and zero for for the season to for them to look good going to the tournament, but they have to look better than they've looked because for as much as you can say about Michigan kept it close, they still lost by seventeen to Ohio State, and. You know, they kind of had the back and forth with Wisconsin. They still trailed for 35 minutes of that game. So we'll see. I've seen crazier things happen. I've seen teams, and we, we've all seen Michigan teams that went into the Big Ten tournament, not even sure they were going to make the NCAA tournament. And they went out and won the whole thing. We've seen, we've seen teams that kind of slumped and were hemming and hawing, and they, they went out and won the whole thing. Very fun to watch. Very interested to see how it goes this week. Uh, we'll talk to Jawan Howard and players tomorrow. And then, obviously, Thursday is senior day. And then with Maryland on Sunday. And then we're we're down to Indianapolis. So be sure to follow it along. Steve is out of town, so I'm not quite sure what the podcast plan is. I might, I might throw in a, a football-related one later on this week. If not, uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. Read all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. We'll see you next time.